Welcome to the Why on Earth Community Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron William Perry, and today we're visiting with Organic India CEO, Miguel Gill. Hey, Miguel. Hey, Aaron. Thanks for having me. It's great having you. How are you today? Excellent. Yeah. In this beautiful setting. Yeah. Yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to our conversation here. We've got so much to chat about and uh, it's lovely. We're here at Elk Run Farm, which I know many of our audience are familiar with, uh, where our, our friends nonprofit, the Drylands Agroecology Research is located. Nick and Marissa and many of our friends in the community here. So we've got a really fun set today here at what we call uh, Pablito's Bistro at the farm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, looking forward to our conversation, Miguel. Yeah, me too. After decades in the field of international business development, Organic India CEO Miguel Gill was looking for something new. He said, I found myself reflecting on an inner void I was somehow never able to fill, despite my successes. I always felt that there was another more fulfilling, more meaningful path ahead of me that would allow me to be of service to a greater cause. When he was introduced to the founders of Organic India, he witnessed a company with a vision that mirrored his own and eventually accepted the invitation to take the helm at Organic India USA. And he said, my long awaited calling had come with a glorious opportunity to be of service to a community dedicated to true wellness and healthy conscious living. He continues to lead the growth of Organic India and committed to the triple bottom line, taking a holistic view of success that benefits people, profit, and the planet. He has led the company to its most successful quarter in the company's recent history. While continuing to share stories of regenerative agriculture and re environmental recovery, fair trade practices, and altruistic supply chain, which we're gonna talk about, and a new business model based on value contribution at every step. And Miguel, you've got a background that includes a lot of uh, leadership positions in technology and telecom and a space quite different from <laughs> the herbal medicine space and the regenerative agriculture space. And indeed, you even have your uh, college degree in uh, electrical and electronics engineering. So mm. perhaps here to kind of kick things off so that we can get a little bit of an idea of your background share with us a bit how did you get into the technology thing in the first place and then what happened to bring you over into organic and fair trade herbal medicine yeah it, uh, it turned out to be quite the pivot very pleasant pivot i have to say um you know i think the getting into technology initially and that 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 first part of my career that that you know lasted over 25 years um was a natural progression from, from my studies. You know, that was sort of expected for me to go into the technology field. And, um, you know, I quickly got into, into more of the area, less in the technical part, but more in the area of business development. And which taught me a tremendous amount. You know, I traveled, you know, I worked for companies like Cisco, Motorola, some, you know, really well-known household names, if you will. And, um, and was for, I've been fortunate to do business all over the world, literally, um, on every continent and um, I learned yeah a tremendous amount it was it was very rewarding for for a long time but you know uh, as you know as I try to express in the bio it's uh, I always felt that there was something missing from uh, because you know I got to the point it's not like technology isn't important of course it is mm -hmm. but 
Um, but I, f I felt that there was, there was always something that I could contribute a lot more in. And, and despite financial success and, and, and lots of other uh, trappings that come along with a, you know, a, a career like that, um, yeah, I, I always felt this, this void of to, to, to be in service. And it was, I, for a long time, I couldn't really articulate that properly. But it wasn't until I stepped out of the technology space and was told by colleagues and friends and that I was crazy at the time because I didn't really have a, you know, a, a, another very concrete thing to go into. But, you know, also creating space allows for creativity to come in, right? And uh, yeah, it was, it was a very pivotal time. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, getting into the wellness space was always uh, a personal dream. You know, I've, I've always endeavored to, to live healthy, eat healthy, and, um, and always had a, an innate interest in, in wellness as, you know, as a human being. And then when the opportunity came along to, before Organic India a little bit, you know, when I was um, working on some other projects, it just still felt very natural. And, uh, and, you know, I built on from there. Right on, that's, that's beautiful and, and interesting. And I think a story that's probably relevant to more and more folks who are professionals, even perhaps uh, executives and business leaders making these kinds of pivots toward health and wellness and, mm. and and you know technology obviously is very important these tools allow us to do so much in the way of communication oh, worldwide sure, yeah. but but technology isn't everything right, right. and uh, I hear that I hear that kind of expressed as you share your the arc of your your career path over the past several years no absolutely and I, and I think you know we've been experiencing um, Lots of interesting pivots. I think every, we've all have somebody in our lives. Um, I think particularly induced through the through the pandemic, uh, where we were all forced into a situation of self-reflection. Right, where working from home, in lockdown, even people being furloughed, not working, yeah. and this this sort of forced um, um, situation that was thrust upon us that. Uh, forced us all to self-reflect, even if that didn't come naturally to you. And I think, you know, the, this this discussion about the Great Resignation. I think um, perhaps not in all cases. I'm sure there are, uh, of course, exceptions. But uh, a lot of people reflecting on what do I really want to do with my life, right? Yeah. And not just continuing on the same path because that's what they've always done and that's the safe thing to do. And I think, you know, the the pandemic actually one of the positive aspects for me is that it's it's opened up um, for, for people to find courage to, to you know, pursue other paths. Yeah, yeah. You know, just this past week, I've seen several articles about this new thing called quiet quitting, which is a term I hadn't heard before about folks working in jobs that they're not particularly uh, impassioned by, they're mm. not particularly uh, committed to, and they don't necessarily quit the job, they maintain the job for the income, yeah. but are not doing anything sort of above and beyond the bare minimum of, of what's expected. And it struck me as very interesting having also uh, served in some leadership positions that on the one hand, we're probably seeing more of this kind of resignation or quiet quitting emerging in what we might call conventional businesses and business models. On the other hand, mm. we're seeing this very exciting emergent and even maturing 
uh, directionality among the businesses like Organic India and like mm. some of our other colleague businesses, Dr. Bronner's, Patagonia and others mm -hmm. who, who are making such a profound commitment to not only the well-being and health and stewardship of our planet and our communities, but also mm. the the people, the team that do the work needed for the company. And so I'm, I'm struck by this rapid evolution unfolding right now in the global economy as it relates to something we traditionally call competitive advantage, <laughs> where in, indeed probably more and more uh, of the uh, intelligence of the uh, capabilities of the skills and, and gifts that we want to see in our companies are going to continue migrating toward companies mm. like Organic India. And I'm curious if mm. you've been seeing that from your position in, in absolutely. the different companies yeah, that you've worked in. Absolutely. And, I, um, you know, my, my own personal experience in taking the role with Organic India, which is um, a little over three years ago now, um, you know, it just occurred to me, listening to you talk, what, what a... Uh, what an incredibly thriving economy and uh, uh, that we, we'd all experience if, if more people were actually in a job that was pursuant to their passions, right? Because, yeah, yeah. you know, the, the, the question about if I'd, the, the experience we've had, um, just in the, some of the changes that, that we had to make as a business because of when the lockdown occurred and we were very fortunate in the state of Colorado to be able to be one of these businesses um, considered essential. You remember in the early days, it was only essential businesses that could continue to practice and, and, and go about their operations and so forth. And because we're in the wellness space and then we were allowed to do that very fortunately. And, but, but we had to, you know, everybody was working from home, which was a new thing that, you know, we had an office here in Boulder that we typically collected at on a daily basis. And initially, you know, even from our board of directors, you know, there was concern about, well, how are we going to, how's everybody going to adapt to this? Well, how's this going to have an impact on, on efficiency? And, and, you know, working from home is not for everybody either, right? Yeah. But my, my experience as, as a leader going through that transition is that it's been incredibly positive, you know? Our efficiencies, if anything, have, have gone up quite considerably. And from a work-life balance perspective, you know, this, this, this concept of working from home now is, is, is really ubiquitous. You know, in Europe, it's where I've, I've spent most of my career, uh, it's, it's been a lot more commonplace, I think, mm -hmm. than even here in the US. And I know it's been a commonplace thing here, but I think that again, the pandemic sort of propelled the whole work from home situation to, to a different level. And, and again, people who probably never considered experiencing that or trying that out as a model have tried it have grown to love it perhaps and, and have now found a different um, work-life balance um, situation that, that they maybe may have never experienced before, right? Yeah. So again, I think lots of unexpected positives that, that, that have come out. Yeah, beautiful. And uh, we are outside here, so you might hear an airplane or some birds or a little breeze <laughs> coming by. So uh, bear with us as we are enjoying our natural setting here. And, uh, you know, I, I have to quip a little. I can tell by your accent, you probably didn't grow up here in Colorado. And uh, maybe you could share just a little with us about your, your background and, and where you grew up and what, how that maybe informs your work as an organizational leader. Yeah, absolutely. Thank, thank you for that question. Um, uh, I, uh, I'm a bit of a, a mutt, you mm. might say, uh, because uh, I have a British accent, but my first language is Spanish, actually. My, my father uh, was from Spain, um, my mother from Southern Ireland, but they met in the UK. So my sister and I have one older sister 
Um, we were both born in the UK, but no English blood, so to speak. And at home, my dad was, uh, was absolutely religious about uh, speaking Spanish at home. He wanted my sister and I to, to learn Spanish, you know, and as, as a child, it was, it was super annoying. I'd come home from school with my buddies and I was like six, seven years of age, and he spoke perfect English, right? With his accent, but, but great English. Yeah. And he'd speak English to all of them, but he'd insist that I spoke Spanish to him in front of even my friends. And as a child, that was very frustrating, right? But, but God bless him for it, because I speak Spanish, f you know, flawlessly, and have done even, you know, before I eventually ended up living there for, for a number of years. So, yeah, so Irish mom, Spanish dad, born in the UK, and then um, uh, Colorado, or the US is my seventh country that I've lived uh, in. Wow. So lots of, you know, again, back to my career in tech, I, I got to move around a lot. So lived lived in the U.S. the first time in the mid '90s, then I did a stint in in South America in Chile, which was amazing, mm. and then then in Italy, then to the U.K., then to Denmark, then to France, and then back to Colorado, or back to the U.S. and Colorado. Very interesting. And and has no. that would you say that has that international experience brought you perspective that makes you maybe? approach executive leadership a little differently than some of your other colleagues here in the United States? I, I think so. Uh, you know, again, back to my time in the tech industry, I, I managed global teams. Uh, so people from, from all over the planet and, and uh, nationalities and cultures and languages. So I think, you know, being uh, practicing in, in that kind of leadership environment, you know, forces you, even if you're not naturally predisposed to be more open-minded, right? And I think that's just a, it's generally a good practice, you know, whether you're working with international folks or not, you know, this business of being more open minded and open to certainly to different cultures, business practices and so forth. That that's taught me a lot. And I think it's, uh, you know, I have a, a predominantly U.S. team now, you know, we're spread all over the country. Um, but, you know, quite a number of folks here in Colorado where we've been headquartered for since the business has been established here some 20 years ago now. But um, yeah, I think I think it's made me a better leader, no question. You know, just uh, uh, it's been it's been a real gift having worked so extensively internationally as I have, because you know it really forces you to change your chip. You know, if you get off a plane in Asia and you're going to figure out you know the the, the right commercial strategy for that market that for for the company you're representing, you can't go with a set of ideas. Well, we're going to do this 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 and this way. You know, you've um, you have to really immerse yourself and understand what that market's all about. And, uh, um, you know, from a, from a uh, teaching you to take a, you know, a, a more versatile approach to things, be more open to not just, you know, approach to business, but also to how to manage people because different cultures, you know, require a different management approach. Yeah. So having practiced that, uh, I think hopefully my team would be the best, best lot to ask not yeah, me, yeah. really, but uh, I, I hope at least that it, it's, it's made me a better leader for sure. Yeah, that's really great. And I, I'd like to pick up back up on this this leadership thread in a minute. But uh, before we do that, since you mentioned your team uh, and maybe the, the mics even picked up a few of those chuckles back there, <laughs> um, I want to mention that off camera, we actually have a few from your team. Mm -hmm. um, we've got Michael Sophia. And we've got Marissa Marola, 
and and your son visiting from Copenhagen. That's uh, right. Alex Gill is here <laughs> too, and we thought, sort of true to the maybe UK tradition or other parts of Europe <laughs> and other parts of the world, we would uh, kick things off here by pouring out some of the tisane we made the other day, a sun tea uh, that uh, has been uh, chilling in the fridge. And this is one of the organic India teas that you guys were so generous to share with us for the recent Toss book launch event up at Sustainable Settings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, congratulations uh, with that one. Oh yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, we're gonna have to read a little from the book because uh, <laughs> there's actually a mention of Organic India in there, as you know, mm -hmm. that was uh, written in long before we all met. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, this is a delicious, beautiful tea we've got here to share today. And uh, I'll hand this to you, Miguel. And if you guys wouldn't mind joining over here, maybe we'll do a quick, a quick toast. And uh, here's for you. And Michael. So to health, yeah. well-being. Absolutely. <laughs> Cheers. 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 Thanks for being here with us, you guys. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah, part of the fun, of course, with the work we're doing with the Why on Earth community, the work you guys are doing with Organic India and what's happening here at the farm with the community is we mm -hmm. have so many wonderful reasons to gather, sometimes planned, mm -hmm. sometimes spontaneously, and enjoy a little tea together. And uh, it's, it's lovely. It's yeah. lovely. Talking of lovely, you know, this, uh, I learned about this, uh, what do you call this technique of sun brewing? Sun uh, tea, yeah. Sun tea, right? I'd, I'd never heard of this, and I've been a tea drinker for a long time. But it's uh, for those who don't know, it's a it's a fantastically natural way to yeah. to brew tea. And somehow, I think it's maybe exposure to the sunlight or something. It seems to give it a, a, a you know a, a different energetic quality. It's great. Yeah, we were talking before we started recording whether we knew of any of the science behind what might make right. a sun tea a little different. I don't know, but yeah, certainly the sunlight's getting uh, in there directly for hours. Mm. And who knows if it's releasing more of the tannins from the plants possibly, or yeah. something, I don't Quite know. Possibly, yeah. But it's lovely, it's rich. And that's the uh, Tulsi Focus that we're drinking, mental clarity and cognitive support. Could you tell us a little about this product sure, and sure, some yeah. of the others? So this, uh, you know, Ayurveda has a, has a plethora of, uh, of incredible herbs for, for all kinds of um, uh, health benefits. So this particular, it's our Focus C line because it, it has, uh, keep me honest here, Marissa, it's got Gotu Cola and Brahmi um, in it, which are two, uh, two very recognized uh, um, herbs specifically for cognitive benefit. And uh, so, yeah, hence the name Tulsi Focus. And um, yeah, so mental clarity and cognitive support. That's the call out on the back. Love it. And you know, <laughs> the, um, the uh, subtitle to the book Why on Earth that is the foundational framework for our Why on Earth community work is uh, get smarter, feel better, heal the planet, mm. really helping connect the dots uh, between our own personal stewardship, health and well-being, and how that relates to our ability to be good stewards and good do great regenerative and restorative work in the world. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's so important and I love the array of products that you guys have. By the way, for our audience, we've got a very beautiful partnership to announce 
uh, where you can use the code Y on Earth, letter Y O N E A R T H, at organicindiausa.com, and you get a 20% discount off your first order. And so load up, get a bunch, and uh, <laughs> some of the proceeds actually will also come back to the Why on Earth community to support our podcast and our other uh, community efforts. Uh, so it's a real win-win and a good example of regenerative economics right there. Hmm. So yeah, don't forget to use that code. It's a one-time discount. So get a, get a lot, get one of each. And the holidays are probably coming up here. So um, <laughs> thank you for, for that partnership, no, by the thank way. You. Thanks, Marissa, for setting that up. And uh, yeah, I'm very excited to learn more about your other products. I've been enjoying your your teas for a while, actually. This mm -hmm. Tulsi Sweet Rose has been a favorite that I've had on hand for many years. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it is a big favorite. It's lovely. And uh, yeah, if you could maybe walk us through some of the teas and other <coughs> offerings you have. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we, um, uh, we're probably best known for our tea. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's uh, even though actually two thirds of our business is in supplements. You know, ah, we, we do, you know, we sell more supplements than we do, uh, than we do tea actually here in the United States. Um, but uh, we're better known for our tea. And I think the, the, the reason for that is probably the, you know, the, the, the sensorial experience that you have, you know, as, uh, as, as the, um, uh, the, the, the leader of a supplement company, it's, it's a challenge to create that connection with, with your, you know, with your, uh, uh, your, your consumer uh, as a supplement brand, because, mm. you know, even as an avid supplement taker like myself, um, it's not the most fun experience in the world. You know, you wake up, you, you, it's recommended you take them first thing in the morning before you've on an empty stomach a lot of the time. And then you're faced with a part of 20 pills uh, that you, you have to swallow down and, it, and it's not, it's not fun. Then you cross your fingers and hope for the best, right? Because you don't immediately feel the, the benefits of it. Yeah. So bonding with your, with, you know, with your customer, uh, as a supplement brand can, can be a challenge. So I think that's maybe why we're better known for our teas, but our, our supplements are actually incredible. I mean, uh, and I'd, I'd love to tell you a bit more about, about those. Please, why. Yeah. So we are, um, I think the first and one of the only still um, fair trade supplement suppliers. Okay. And you know, we, uh, we talked a little bit before we started recording about um, about the, 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 the importance of fair trade and what an incredibly yeah. valuable certification that is. And, you know, as a company that's really been be behind attaining certifications, important ones, yeah. um, I have to say, you know, the fair trade is, is, is not for the faint hearted. The, the process, you know, is a, yeah. to take your business through, through the steps and to tick all those boxes um, is actually a, a really big ask, uh, but it, yeah. it's absolutely worth it if you can, if you can stay that journey. So our, our, our supplements were, I think, the very first fair trade supplements in the United States, wow. and uh, also the first certified organic mm. supplements, mm. because we use a um, we use a, a plant-based um, material for our our capsules called pullulan, which actually comes from a it's almost like a like a, a mycelium type of material uh, fungus uh, mm -hmm. base, yeah. which which. Um, makes you know which can come in an organic format um, we were we were I think yeah the, the first company here in the United States to to adopt that that particular material for and we we have that exclusively on our capsule so that's how we got the USDA wow. certification for wow. it and 
And then, wow, I could I could go on for a long time. I, I want to be <laughs> conscious well, of yeah, that. I, I, we, I would love to learn a little more about the supplements you offer and why mm. they're good. And by the way, and I love helping connect some dots, you know, for our audience to some of our other resources. And I'm going to mention a few other podcast episodes that uh, kind of relate in with this story that mm -hmm. we're sharing today. Yeah. But, you know, in the Why on Earth book, there's a section talking about our food and our and our herbal medicines, our herbs. Mm -hmm. And this little concept of grow, know, and show, where hopefully we have an opportunity to grow some of our own herbs and foods. Mm -hmm. And we've got lovely things happening around here like that. Mm -hmm. Hopefully we get to know uh, more and more of the farmers and gardeners in our area who are growing great herbs and foods mm -hmm. and we're sharing with them and maybe trading with them. Mm -hmm. And then this show piece, this third piece is so important when we're sourcing foods, foods from other parts of the world, right? And yeah. yeah, there's not a lot of Tulsi probably growing right around here. There's not a lot of uh, chocolate and coffee and black tea and so on and so forth growing right around here. And so right. we're gonna be sourcing these things from Mm -hmm. you know, parts of, uh, you know, very remote parts of the world from, from Colorado. And that's where these third party certifications that help show the practices of companies like Organic India, yeah. I think are so important for us to have confidence as consumers when we're purchasing this product. So I'm just mm. thrilled about your commitment to these third party certifications and that you've had such leadership as a company in the space. And we'll talk mm. a little, later on about the new regenerative organic certification that's mm -hmm. emerging and your guys help uh, yeah. with that whole effort. But yeah, please tell us some more about the, the supplements here. So, so we, uh, um, you know, being a mission driven company in, in the real sense, you know, that uh, is, was right from, the, from in, the inception when, when our founders first embarked on the journey with Organic India, um, we, we always, um, uh, have, have lived by those and continue to operate by those original founding principles. And one of them is, you know, there are many aspects to it, but, but the, the, uh, you mentioned our altruistic supply chain before. Mm -hmm. So we don't, uh, we don't buy uh, any of our raw materials or, or source any of our raw materials through cooperatives, which is typically is, you know, is a normal practice, right? Because it's very difficult to do business on a one by one basis with, uh, with individual farmers, if you will, right? Because that's that's a difficult thing to manage and negotiate yeah. on a one boat. Yeah. But our founders, from because of the the fair trade aspect of of the, their original intentions and what has really been built into our business model from the start, we actually deal direct with two and a half thousand smallhold family farmers wow. in India. Wow! And. Uh, so that that's one aspect, you know. So, so from, that's direct uh, sourcing, basically. Yeah. So we direct yeah. source um, from them, and if you take, um, and the reason we do that is so that we can pay them. Um, on average, I think Marissa, it's like seventeen percent above the market rate we pay on average for for our um, for our raw materials, which gives them obviously a better livelihood than because if they sell to a you know to a, 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 a cooperative or middleman, if you will, they that those organizations take their cut and, and of course that affects their, the farmer's livelihood. So yep. that was the original intention and that's you know, still how we operate. Uh, but if you take turmeric, turmeric's probably one of the most ubiquitous, everybody knows it, it's, you know, it's, it's the biggest category uh, mm. from, a, from a single supplement here in the United States. Mm. We do things, um, not only do we source directly from the farmers and, 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 uh, and have those relationships I just mentioned, but 
we, uh, we also go to the lengths of grinding it ourselves. So for those who don't know, turmeric is a root. So, so that, that root has to be, has to be dried in a, in a specific way. And, and you know, if you study Ayurveda, there's, there's a method for everything. Um, so we follow that dry method very closely. And we, so we actually buy the root. Most of the other turmeric supplies that are sourced from India, they buy the powder from cooperatives that's yeah. already been sort of ground. So we buy the roots, we mm. dry them um, uh, in, in that, that very specific way, and then we grind it ourselves. Mm. So, and that, that ensures, you know, there's, you've heard of this concept of prana, right? So prana is mm -hmm. spoken about, which is the, the life force um, in, in plants and in, in our food and in, in lots of things. Um, you know, we, we, we follow that, that Ayurvedic practice to, to ensure that the, you know, the prana is present uh, in that turmeric uh, that it eventually appears in a capsule, encapsulated format. We also sell it in, you know, in a loose format too, but most of what we provide is in cap because turmeric's not very palatable. I mean, if you eat it straight, it's not, not great. So, but we, you know, we grind it ourselves, we dry it ourselves, we encapsulate it ourselves, mm. do the whole thing mm. at our amazing factory. You know, just to talk about the, the factory for a second, you know, we cut the ribbon on this facility, it'll be three years in November, I think, this November now in 22. And uh, it's the first and still, I think, the only lead platinum certified food production facility in, in, in India. Wow, on the subcontinent. That, that's quite amazing. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, for those, those of you who know about lead certification, I'm sure a lot of your community yeah. know all about yep. lead certification with your credentials in that area then that's something we're very proud of. That is extraordinary. Yeah. Well done. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the whole lead system is uh, not only a, 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 an important comprehensive framework for the energy performance, air quality, and other aspects of built environment, built buildings, mm -hmm. but there's uh, bronze, silver, gold, and platinum. And to hit platinum is a really big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially, I would imagine, in a manufacturing facility. It's absolutely, and and you know, when we were um, when I when I first joined the company, we were we were about a year, a little over a year away from the inauguration of the factory, wow. and you know, interacting with my my colleagues in India, I'm like, seriously, we're aiming for lead platinum, and it, you know, this has never happened before, guys, and they were like, yeah, we understand that, but if we're going to do it, we're going to do it the right way, mm -hmm. right, and mm -hmm. and aim for the very highest level. And yeah, even I thought, wow, that's a lofty goal, you know. And uh, but yeah, they achieved it, and it was mm. it's an amazing feat. Where and in India is that? We're in the state of Uttar Pradesh, okay. which is the most populous state in India. I think the, it's um, somewhere over two hundred million. So it's it's about two thirds of the size of the U.S. in one state in wow. India. Um, and it's um, it's where our founders, um, it's where the business started, and it was um, is still considered the breadbasket. Of, of India, you know, it's where most of the wheat production comes from, and and these kinds of of crops, and um, you know, tapping into the you know the founding story are uh, a little bit when when big agro first arrived to to India, Uttar Pradesh was probably one of the worst affected states, um, you know, when pesticides and GMO seeds and all these these uh, you know this monoculture approach, mono agriculture approach to to farming really battered the state of Uttar is, Pradesh. Is, uh, is this where the Green Revolution uh, hit exa hard? Exactly. A lot yeah. of farmers were indebted for chemical purchases and a lot of suicides, a lot of Oh really my goodness, yeah, stuff. yeah. Actually, over 100,000 documented farmer suicides. Wow. 100,000. It's, uh, 
it's actually way over 100,000. I, I, yeah. I should look up the number. I mean, my mind couldn't get past the, you know, 100,000 is a staggering number when you think about it. And, and many of these farmers, tragically, they, they drank the, the same pesticides that they've been sold, yeah. uh, you know, to, to, you know, to, to commit suicide. And that had, uh, I mean, it had so many um, negative, so much negative impact on those communities, on, on the people, on the widows and the families that were left behind. And, and our founders were watching this unfold as they were studying together under the same spiritual teacher in Uttar Pradesh. And, and you know, they couldn't, couldn't stand by and, and see this continue to happen and not try to do something to address it. So, so our mission really as a company, it started out as a mission to, uh, to really do something about and to really try and help these, these farmers, and actually they're widows. Um, because, you know, in Hindu culture, when, when you marry, when a couple marries, the, the, the woman marries into the, the husband's family more so than the other way around, right? And so, and typically they go to live with the, with the husband's family. So many of these widows that were left behind by, by farmers that had committed suicide, in, particularly in rural India, um, many of the, these, these women were, were sort of uh, ostracized mm. uh, uh, as, as widows. They, 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 you know, they weren't as, as accepted in, the, in, in these communities and so forth. And, and uh, uh, some of them tragically had to turn to prostitution and other things mm. just to be able to feed and sustain their families. And, mm. and the founders of Organic India actually went out of their way uh, when we first started the business to hire these women, train them, uh, teach them new skills and, and not just bring them into into the company, but pay them the same wages as the men, which was also a wow. shockingly wow. Uh, uh, different you know approach at the time. So much so that that we uh, I'm so I'm told by by our founders that they couldn't find men to come and work for the company because they were like you know mm. oh you're gonna pay the women the same rate we're not gonna go work for you. They're like okay mm. fine there's mm. plenty of ladies willing to take up these roles so for for a while they couldn't they couldn't uh, uh, find men to to take up some of the positions that obviously changed over time um, but yeah that was you know the, the the business really started as a mission and then the products and and the whole business and and the company evolved around that that founding mission uh, and vision that our founders had uh, to 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 really do something impactful positively wow. about about the, that situation we have we have many friends and colleagues uh, who are connected to organizations that make it a priority to care for uh, widows and orphans mm -hmm. and it's very interesting to me to hear this kind of focus in the origin story of yeah. organic india and it's beautiful and i'd love to hear maybe a little more if there's more to share about the, the founding of the company sure, sure. that would be really lovely. well you know as I explained they, they you know they, they went out of their way to to um, try and um, di create a livelihood for for, the, for these women that were that were having great difficulties as a direct result of the you know the impact of the green revolution yeah. and uh, so from from there uh, actually the uh, if you don't mind I'll tell you the the, the, the one of the one of the stories that that really uh, was pivotal for me in making a decision to take yeah. on the role is when yeah. when the, the founder Bharat Mitra told me about the very first meeting that they had with the farmers. They they, they befriended a, a, an MD who's actually, um, he's, he's passed away now unfortunately, um, Dr. Singh who 
was uh, uh, from one of the, actually from Uttar Pradesh in, in one of these uh, small rural communities, uh, very well respected and incredible herbalist. He was an MD, um, I forget exactly what, what his practice, which specialization he had, but he was way more known as, a, as an herbalist eventually. And, um, and was you know deeply entrenched in 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 ayurvedic practices and, and medicine and so forth and had a, had a huge following um as a result mm. and he um he uh went with them to this this village the village that he grew up in and helped organize this farm this meeting with the with mm. the farmers right mm. and uh so a, a, i think 20 or 30 farmers showed up from this area and some of them just had like you know an acre of land or half an acre not big farms, right? And uh, so our, our Barak Mita stood up and, uh, and he's an Israeli. Um, so this white face appears and they were obviously suspicious of that because they, you know, they've been sold a bill of goods with the, with yeah. the, the big agro um, community that had come along and, and uh, promised a lot of things that they didn't deliver on. So there was some, some skepticism to begin with. And uh, he tells them that uh, he wants them to grow Tulsi, right? And we can, you know, I know we're going to talk a bit more about Tulsi. Yeah. So he wants them to grow Tulsi, um, which is a, a plant revered by all Hindus. And in fact, most Hindus have a Tulsi plant in their house mm. uh, because, it, you know, it's, it, it, they, they, they pray to it every day for, for, for reasons, um, um, yeah, you know, steeped in, in, in Hindu belief. And, um, and that, uh, that they were going to make um, tea from this, uh, these Tulsi plants and that they were also... Um, going to have them embark on this certification because they were actually very visionary at the start. They recognized that to get organic certification that at the time in India was, was not even a thing. I mean, they did, the, the term organic didn't exist. Now, many of the practices the farmers use, natural biodynamic regenerative practices were, were second nature to them, right? But there was no label put on it as this being organic. So we're going to, you know, we're going to take you on this organic certification journey, which will take three years. And you won't be able to sell any of your product for that. But don't worry, we're going to stockpile it all and so forth. And, and, uh, and we'll pay you for your, your crops and, and all, during this three-year period. And then eventually you get certified and then we'll be able to export the product to, for a higher price. And you, everybody will make more money and it'll be great. And they, they're looking, wow. at, looking at them saying, you know, run that by us one more time. You <laughs> yeah. want us to grow Tulsi, which we all have plants in our own home. Yeah. So if we want to make tea out of Tulsi, we just go pick a few leaves and yeah. steep it and it's done, right? <laughs> And then you, for three years, that's going to take to get a certified organic. You're going to subsidize that, that time, you know, and yeah. then eventually, hopefully with the certification, we'll be able to export our products. And they're like, yeah, that's right. Wow. And he said they almost got chased off with pitchforks, right? Because yeah. they thought yeah. these guys are, you know, loons. Right? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and they even said, well, oh tell us to grow potatoes or, 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 or wheat or whatever, you know, yeah. if you guys don't end up buying it from us, at least we can feed our families with that, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, so one farmer, one farmer called Kailash Singh, um, uh, who was way into his 70s, I think, already by that point, uh, he, uh, he didn't have a lot to lose. And he's like, and he had a relationship with this, this MD doctor that, that uh, was the herbalist specialist. And he's like, because of the relationship, I think, more with the, with the doctor than our founders, he said, okay, you know, I'll give you a try. And because he was a very respected member, I think initially they had three or four farmers came along. And, and I should mention as well, this particular area of Uttar Pradesh was the worst affected. I mean, mm. it was like scorched mm. earth in mm. terms of how badly affected the, you know, the land and how degraded the soil was and all these terrible things that can 
happen through misuse, you know, and the, the wrong practices. And um, so they started off with these three or four farmers, and then about a year and a half later, they came back, and uh, and through the the regenerative practices that that they you know were being uh, um, developed and, and engaging in the land, of course, Mother Nature was starting to bounce back. Mm. And then they had another farmers meeting. And then many of the skeptics from the first meeting came back and said, well, you know, they could see what was happening. And one of the very vocal ones who'd said, absolutely not, you guys are crazy. What do you think? Blah, blah, blah. He came to our founder and said, um, so uh, is this still a chance for us to, to join the program? Wow. And he said, absolutely of course you know you're very welcome he said but do you mind me asking because you were one of the most negative about this whole concept when we were here a couple of years ago and he said well the birds of my childhood mm. have returned right wow. and because the and uh, the founder when he told me the story you know he had tears in his eyes and and he was so touched by that that the, the, this particular farmer was not so much motivated by the you know the potential financial gains or other things like that but he was so touched by the fact that the you know the birds from native to that area were returning to these 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 lands because mother nature god bless her you know was give her a chance and she's she's going to bounce back right and uh, that's that's what motivated him and other farmers to because they could visibly see how the land was regenerating how beautiful yeah wow, it really is amazing yeah. so touching mm. yeah wow, sorry that go. was quite a long this is lovely. <laughs> I, I, I really appreciate it. And uh, let me just remind our audience, this is the Why on Earth Community Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron William Perry. And today we're visiting with Miguel Gill, the CEO of Organic India. And uh, I got to take this opportunity to share with our friends that while writing um, Why on Earth, actually, I've, <laughs> you know, I, I started working in the natural foods and herbal medicine arena clear back when I was in high school. And, uh, and so already in, in Why on Earth, um, this book that, that we published about five years ago, there's mention of Organic India as one mm. of the great companies doing work in organic agriculture and herbal medicine with the commitments that you guys have. And then in, in Veriditas, which of course uh, just officially published, uh, <clears throat> there's a passage where our, uh, our heroine, Brigitte Sophia, has uh, had to flee New York City, uh, ditch her technology, go off grid, and meets up with this friend of a friend in uh, Boulder, Colorado. <laughs> and uh, this kind of wacky, enigmatic guy, she doesn't really like it first, but you know how love stories go. Right. And uh, she's in his kitchen. And uh, she has, uh, uh, let's see, uh, yeah, she has just woken up from a nap because she's exhausted. And this guy, Leo's his name, is cooking in the kitchen. And she comes in and he says, well, hi there, friend. Uh, Leo looked both regal and comical in his nearly pressed shirt, royal blue apron, and efficient, confident movements about the kitchen. <laughs> On the counter, admits the glass mason jars full of herbs, spices, seeds, and loose leaf teas. She, this is Brigitte Sophia, now noticed a bag of Manitoba organic hemp hearts, several boxes of organic India teas, <laughs> and some Newman's own cookies next to the Purium bags. So, uh, you know, as a storyteller, for me, it's such a joy to 
to be able to weave into this this great big story the great healing is within our power mm. and mention uh companies like organic Ind india and of course the work you guys are doing uh, with the certifications you're also b cert b corp certified right absolutely um, yeah. which is also not a joke i i took a company through that process a few years ago and mm. it's a meaningful certification in my opinion absolutely to, yeah. to get that mm. um and and you're also uh, very supportive, as we mentioned earlier, of the Regenerative Organic Alliance and their new Regenerative Organic Certification, mm -hmm. which I understand you guys are now working on for uh, one of your product lines. Is, is that correct? That's that's right. Actually, uh, with with Tulsi, our, our our signature herb that yeah. we that's present in pretty much all of our teas and, and and many of our supplement formulas also. Yeah. So we're we're pursuing. Uh, regenerative organic certification for initially for that product and we hope cool. to to take it to other ones and I think awesome. Marissa we're, we're, we're looking at uh, sometime next year um, yeah uh, hopefully by by the middle not not too late next year to to achieve that we're already on a on the path that's wonderful so to speak for all of you in the future uh, this is 2022 so sometime next year means <laughs> 2023 thank and, you uh, that, I forgot to mention too, of course, uh, for uh, whyonearth.org, riditasbook.com, V-I-R-I-D-I-T-A-S book.com, and organicindiausa.com. And when you go there, be sure to use your Why on Earth code to get a 20% discount on your first order. And it sounds like you're gonna have a lot to stock up on. And we've been talking a bit about the, the tea and the supplements. Mm -hmm. And I want to be sure to get to these other products uh, as well. But would you tell us a little more about Tulsi and, and why it's so special? You've mentioned that in, <clears throat> in the Hindu tradition, many yeah. folks of, of that faith will have their own Tulsi plants that they're growing. Why, why is that? What's the big deal there? Well, you know, Tulsi has a, it's, first of all, it's an adaptogenic herb. Okay. So for, for those, in, uh, you know, and, and adaptogens are becoming, um, a lot more popular here in the U.S. now yeah. and, and more widely known, and and they're, they're, re they're framed as adaptogenic herbs because they have a they have an incredible natural ability, um, gifted by the plants that they come from to to adapt to your body's needs. So if you're in the case of Tulsi, which is a, a very calming, stress relieving um, uh, uh, herb, it 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 will have that calming and stress relieving effect on you. If you if you're stressed. And, and stress can, can manifest in different ways. It can be a, a physiological sensation. It can also be a psychological one. You know, there can many, be many reasons to, that can in, induce a, a state of stress. And, and Tulsi has a natural ability to, to have a very, um, very calming effect on that. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But at the same time, it has uh, antimicrobial benefits. Mm. It's it's great for digestion. It's great for the immune system. It's uh, it's an incredible natural um, uh, uh, bar barrier for the body, if you will, against uh, contaminants that can be in the environment, in in water sources, and in in things that that surround us. So it's it's a real catch-all um, herb for many things. It, you know, when you, if you read through the literature about all the th all the benefits that it's had it sounds sounds pretty miraculous and it, mm. it is and for mm. that reason amongst others it's uh it's been um it's been considered the queen of herbs mm. and ayurveda has many incredible herbs right mm. um so uh 
to, the, and I think part of the reason for the Queen of Herbs moniker, also referred to as liquid yoga, uh, I think largely because of the, the, uh, the, the calming effects that, that it can have, as I just described. Hmm. But, you know, to your question about uh, why is it revered as a plant and why do Hindus have it in their home? So, um, Tulsi is considered to be the, uh, the incarnation of, uh, of Lakshmi in, in a plant form. And Lakshmi, mm -hmm. for those who don't know, is, a, is a, um, a, an Indian goddess, deity, uh, who was uh, who's the, 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 the wife of Vishnu, who's another very prominent um, Hindu, uh, Hindu god. And, um, and she's, uh, she represents prosperity and, um, and abundance and, and so forth. So, um, and also Tulsi is considered to be, you know, through, I guess, this incarnation uh, in, in, you know, as Lakshmi is, you know, in Hindu uh, mythology is, is one of the very revered gods, um, is, is considered to be the, the bridge between heaven and earth. Mm. So, so for Hindus praying to their, to their Tulsi plant at home, it's, it's almost like um, worshipping where they're at and worshipping where they're, they're they, they may eventually, you know, find themselves mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. at the end of their journey. So it's, uh, it ha yeah, it has a, you know, beautiful spiritual connection too. And, uh, and, you know, having spent, you know, many, many trips to, to India over the years, um, people really do believe that it's not, uh, um, you know, it's not a, it's not a thing for a, a few or a small part of the Hindu community. It's, it's very central. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. How beautiful. Mm. Well, and, and it makes me think of the, the title of, of the novel Veriditas coined by Hildegard von Bingen about 900 years ago, the, the medieval mystic, this term Veriditas means the green healing energy of the divine or life force of the divine that flows through the plant kingdom in particular. And it sounds mm -hmm. like with Tulsi, this has a particularly, uh, potent expression yeah scientifically and culturally and in terms <clears throat> of our mythopoesis yeah yeah absolutely um so uh it's yeah it is it is considered as you know a representation um of the divine from the plant kingdom mm. essentially if you know if you read read about the uh <laughs> um you know the, the the spiritual reverence of of uh, of tulsi that's exactly how it's described so makes me want to go add a couple more pages to the book. <laughs> That's not going to happen. So and actually, uh, I was fortunate. I don't know if you've if you've ever um, been to the city of Varanasi in. in I India, haven't. But, not yet. Oh my goodness! Uh, hmm. It is uh, you know it's considered considered by many to be one of the the most ancient cities in the world. I mean, and it's there's documented history uh, as far back as five thousand years, right? So I think only the city of Damascus maybe is considered to be older than, than Varanasi. But, you know, when you, when you go to this place, the, the energy is just like indescribable. And uh, I was fortunate to be there one time. They have, there's a, a festival every year in India called the Marriage of Tulsi, actually. Uh, and it's called the Marriage of Tulsi, even though it refers to the marriage of, of Lakshmi to Vishnu, right? But they call it the Marriage of Tulsi. And part of the tradition there is the mothers take Tulsi plants down to the river Ganges because, you know, Varanasi is on the Ganges River, which has incredible um, uh, um, significance in Hindu tradition. Hmm. Um, and uh, so they take their Tulsi plants down and they do a puja and they pray and it's for, it's for their daughters to, because of, you know, the marriage of Tulsi re relating to 
um, Lakshmi's married, marriage to Vishnu, they go and pray for their daughters to, to find a good husband. Mm. And uh, I was there one time watching all these, these ladies heading on their way to, down to the Ganges with these big Tulsi plants. And I'm like, what's going on? You know, and I asked, I asked a, a local and they, they explained the story to me. And it was, uh, yeah, it was beautiful to witness that. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. That's absolutely marvelous. Maybe we can uh, track down a photo of that to include when we uh, publish the yeah. show notes. That would be really neat. Mm. Um, I want to quickly mention a few other podcast episodes that you might be interested in if you haven't already watched or listened to them uh, that focus on herbal medicine and uh, regenerative organic agriculture and stewardship. And we've got um, a recent episode with Elizabeth Whitlow, who's the executive director of the Regenerative Organic Alliance. Uh, we have Brigitte Mars actually joined us for two episodes thus far. Um, check those out, they're both wonderful. We mm. did a walkthrough with Stephanie Sison at her biodynamic herb farm up at Sustainable Settings near Carbondale and Aspen, Colorado. Uh, of course, uh, Chef Maria Cooper did an episode and I'm using her beautiful, heartful kitchen uh, cookbook as my writing tablet here. Um, and in this book, uh, she not only presents amazing recipes, including uh, those coming from her grandmother, who's from, I want to say Syria, somewhere right in that region. Uh, could be Lebanon, I, I don't know, somewhere right in there. And uh, she's also indexed the entire set of recipes for different dietary requirements, whether it's celiac, low-glycemic, low gluten-free, whatever. So it's an amazing resource. And then, of course, we also had the opportunity to interview uh, Jeff Moyer, uh, the CEO of the mm. Rodale Institute, and Yichao Rui, one of their lead soil scientists focused on uh, regenerative soil practices. And then many of our friends over at uh, Dr. Bronner's, and, and mm -hmm. we were talking about yeah. Dave and Mike uh, before we started recording, and Great guys. the team over there doing amazing work. And this evening, we might even uh, break into a little bit of the very special magic chocolate after our uh, <laughs> after we break some bread together. It is great. So uh, <laughs> a great shout out to everybody there, and uh, wanted to make sure that we uh, before we sign off for the day today, Miguel, that we also just mention um, what you've got here with this pack and also with mm -hmm. the psyllium products so folks know what they can come and get. Sure, yeah, thank you. Um, you know, as we mentioned before, you know, tea is, is something we're very recognized for. That's one of our main product categories. Then we have all of our, our supplements, um, all coming from, from Ayurvedic herbs, obviously. So, you know, individual, supplements such as ashwagandha or, or turmeric or holy basil tulsi but we also have lots of formulations which are a combination of different things for, mm. for different health benefits and then actually in this this pack uh, which was released um, uh, it came out uh, into retail uh, just just a few couple of months ago mm. Mm. Um, and we have for it it it's designed to be a, a very convenient access so mm. i think in 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 this uh, this particular version which is for immune support we also have for digestive support we have for uh for stress relief Great. and we have for cognitive cognitive yes Great. we've got four different oh, four different yeah. ones so in every day there's a sachet and you mm. you, you conveniently uh, open up the box and you pull out the sachet which gives you the that exactly that combination of 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 supplements that you should take in this case for immune support on a daily basis and it just it's a very convenient way for 
not to have all different bottles and have to open them all up and you know it's a it's and you can take them on the go with you yeah traveling yeah. or what have you great. so it's yeah. you know great formulations for for all those health benefits mm -hmm. i mentioned uh, and then the other category after tea and supplements is fiber yeah um, psyllium fiber um, in particular we uh, we're very well known for for our whole husk psyllium fiber product in fact mm. it's the number one selling organic certified organic um, psyllium fiber products in the US mm. um, and this is another fiber product within that category which is it's a it's again uh, psyllium is the is the the main event if you will but then there's uh, this pre and probiotic um, uh, elements to the formula and then this particular one has cinnamon um, uh, in it as well and we we, we grow our own cinnamon mm. which for for those who haven't tried it it's, it's amazing really amazing cinnamon has great um, blood sugar regulating properties natural blood sugar regulating properties so this particular one which is the cinnamon variety um, this combination of pre and probiotic fiber together with psyllium and, um, and it comes in three flavors uh, is is in, incredible for those who don't know psyllium it, it acts um it's quite gelatinous when you mix it with water but if you use the right dosage of course it, it stays liquid but once it gets into into your gut it almost acts like a digestive broom you know mm -hmm. it sweeps sweeps everything out that that doesn't have a business being being there any longer and it really helps to just for you know the, the body's natural regulation and um and it's also you know psyllium is actually one of the only uh, fiber sources to be recognized by the American Heart um, Association to to be you know have that um, good for heart health stamp which which psyllium actually does um, were you saying you know, something before we were recording about cholesterol yeah it With, lowers lowers cholesterol okay. you know by by um, you know increasing uh, digestion and and that that whole process um, it uh, yeah it's 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 again it's another magical um, hmm. uh, uh, source of fiber. There are many sources of fiber, but psyllium is is particularly mm. beneficial. Mm. Mm. Um, so those are the main three categories. We have you know have lots of other products as well. You know, um, in all of these categories. You know, what is, what is your personal favorite for your own personal mm. use of all these? That's that's a tough one. Yeah. I'm uh, uh, I'm a big fan of uh, of our ashwagandha yeah. and uh, turmeric. You know, uh, those those are very and, and our tulsi as well from a supplement perspective. And uh, I love uh, so many of our teas. I know you'd expect me to say that, right? But, it, but it's true. And I, I, particularly in the summertime, you know, to drink them ice like this, they're, they're, they're great. And uh, so I love our, uh, I guess, favorite flavors. You know, I love the Tulsi Original, yeah. which, is, which is great. Um, uh, Turmeric Rubus is another mm. personal favorite. Cinnamon Rose. Which is uh, I don't think I've tried those two. That one's that yeah. one's great, and of course our, our sweet rose, which is yeah. which is our one of our absolute most most popular. I've enjoyed that one for years. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's a huge huge bestseller for us still. Turmeric yeah. ginger is great. You know, ginger has so many great health benefits as well, yeah. and uh, you know, mixed it combined together with ginger, which has now become a very common. I think we were one of the first to to do that, mm. but it's now become a very common flavor. Lots of tea brands have it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, how like, wonderful. Uh, I like a lot of our things. Well, Miguel, it's uh, such a joy to visit with you. And, and when we uh, sign off from our podcast interview, of course, we'll do just a few minutes of behind the scenes uh, for our ambassador network. And mm -hmm. uh, if you haven't yet connected with our ambassador network and you'd like to, you can go to whyonearth.org and you'll find a bunch of different pages about our ambassadors and what we're up to and 
how you can uh, become an ambassador yourself. And yeah, we've, we've got this really fun thing where we do some behind the scenes, a few minutes of conversation, diving just a little more deeply into uh, some of the uh, nuts and bolts, nitty gritty, and, and maybe even top secret R&D stuff that's happening uh, <laughs> that we keep under wraps. You have to have the password to get to it. Um, so you can check that out. But uh, Miguel, it's been such a joy to visit with you today and really appreciate you and the team coming out to the farm here and uh, excited about our, our partnership and about collaborating on a number of fronts going yeah. forward. No, absolutely. It's uh, uh, thank you so much for, for having us and, and for all the great work you guys do. You know, uh, uh, I, I, you know, enjoy always reading um, and watching the episodes and so forth on, uh, on you because, you know, there's always and you mentioned it on um, on right on the on the landing page that the, that you you always endeavor to to have a hopeful message. Yeah. Right? And I think hope is such an important thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, we can always focus on on the things that are that are more challenging around us, but that that's there are always going to be uh, you know these situations, right? But that yeah. that message of hope, I think, is really important, and that, and I, I know your community, uh, me included, uh, very appreciative of you carrying that message. Yeah, I appreciate that, Miguel, and I, I just I believe firmly, you know, we're all in this together, mm -hmm. and the leadership that you're showing as an individual leader, and that the company Organic India is showing to me is just a brilliant light that uh, I know is going to be inspiring more and more uh, as we go forward. And so thanks for all your work. And before we sign off, is there is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience? No, I think we've I think we've covered quite a lot. I don't know how we're doing on time, but but uh, I hope I wasn't too wordy in my I imagine of... we're perfectly on <laughs> schedule and uh, all in the right time. Great. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Miguel. The Why on Earth Community Stewardship and Sustainability podcast series is hosted by Aaron William Perry, author, thought leader, and executive consultant. The podcast and video recordings are made possible by the generous support of people like you. To sign up as a daily, weekly, or monthly supporter, please visit whyonearth.org support. Support packages start at just $1 per month. The podcast series is also sponsored by several corporate and organization sponsors. You can get discounts on their products and services using the code WhyOnEarth, all one word with a Y. These sponsors are listed on the whyonearth.org backslash support page. If you found this particular podcast episode especially insightful, informative, or inspiring, please pass it on and share it with a friend whom you think will also enjoy it. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your support. And thank you for being a part of the Why on Earth community.